Amen. Thank you, Miss Jessica. That accounting of that store, that story, is found in the book of Hosea, where God tells Hosea to go take a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms and bring her home and marry her. And then she leaves him and he goes after her. And it's a picture in the Old Testament, it's a picture of Israel. But by way of illustration, it's a picture of God's people. How uh, he took us out of sin. Saved us. And even when we go back, he comes after us. Take your Bibles, if you would. Psalms chapter 103 is where we're going to be this morning. I want to read a verse out of Psalms chapter 68. And then I'll join you in Psalms chapter 103. Psalms chapter 68, the Bible tells us. In verse number 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation, Selah. David is saying here, he's saying, now listen to me. He says, we serve God who loadeth us with benefits, the first of which is our salvation. And he says, think on that just a minute. Just think on it. Meditate on it. In verse number 20, David continues on. He says, he that is our God... Think about that, those two words, our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. Now, it's interesting the the way that, that God inspires David here to write this, the wording that he uses. He says, number one, you're blessed with benefits. You're loaded with benefits. He says, even salvation. Think on that for a minute. Then he talks about himself three times, four times, really. He says, but unto God belong the issues from death. Why do we need salvation? Because the issues from death that started with the introduction of what? Sin. Before sin, there was no death. But after Adam Sin in the garden, it says, death passed upon all men. And so the issues from this death, this sin, belong to God. He owns everything that comes after it. Why? Because he's the only one who can take care of it. He's the only one who can reach down into the midst of sin and save. Now, as you're there in Psalm chapter 103... In verse number one, we're going to read the first five verses of this psalm. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? I want to pause there. Why do we have diseases? Because of sin. Because the introduction of sin. Why do we have issues of death? Because of sin. And so we see here that in this psalm, David is still, from previous psalms, 
uh, going back over, says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, in verse number four, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. So I I want to share with you just a few thoughts this morning on a heavenly benefit plan. Not something that we can check from the stock exchange or that we're going to put into a 401k, but this is something that is a benefit that only comes from heaven. It only comes with God. And it says he daily loadeth us with benefits. And then here in verse number three, it says, forget not all his benefits. Let's pray. And we'll get into the message this morning. Father, we do thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit that's here amongst us. And Lord, I pray that um, you just would continue to bless. And uh, Father, be in this message. I pray that you would cleanse me, O God, of any sin that would be in me. Father, hold me back from myself, O God. And let me only say that which would be pleasing and honorable. And that would bring glory under your name. And Father, perhaps there's one here this morning that does not know your Son as their Savior. Dear God, work in their heart as we share some thoughts this morning and bring them, dear God, to a place that they're ready to accept you. Perhaps there's a Christian, dear God, who's wandered far away and has forgotten the benefits, dear God, of living the Christian life. Speak to their heart, O God, and may they come and find repentance, dear God, in an altar and get back in the way that you'd have them to walk. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Forget not my benefits, he tells us here. What is a benefit? Well, it's an act of kindness. It's favor conferred upon someone. I kind of like this one. It is an advantage. It is a profit. The benefits that God loadeth us with are an advantage for us. It doesn't advantage God anyway to give us these benefits. They are entirely one-sided in the advantage that we gain. You think about without the benefit of salvation, where are we headed? To hell. Without the benefit of his hand upon us, where are we headed? Down a road that we cannot see, that we cannot know, that we would stumble and fall upon, and yet God loadeth us with benefits and gives us the ability to, number one, be saved, and yet to walk in his way throughout our life. A.W. Tozer says it this way, Grace is the good pleasure of God. It inclines him to bestow benefits upon the undeserving, It's used to us sinful men is to save us and make us sit together in heavenly places to demonstrate to the ages the exceeding riches of God's kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You know, you think about about David as the writer of this psalm and certainly is inspired by the Holy Spirit to, to move him to pen these words. And yet... Uh, As God works through people, he inspires to use their experiences to to write the Word of God. 
We see so many of David's psalms deal with a shepherd and, and, and a king and, and, and lean upon God. Why? Because those are the experiences that God used in his life to move him that way. And what I find interesting here is we think about David. One, one of the great men of the Bible, one of the great men of the Word of God would be David. We know he's a sinner. We know that he did uh, some horrible things in his life. And yet God said he was a man after mine own heart. And David here writes, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. You know, oftentimes it's easier to bless God without than within. Why? Because we can come to church and bless God without, and everybody sees that, and we can raise our hand, and we can say amen, or we can do this, or we can do that, but it's within the hidden man of the heart where we hold things against God. And so David here is saying, not just without, not just when I'm dancing before the ark is coming back, not just when I'm, I'm, I'm kneeling before God in the temple, but within me, where only God sees. And it's interesting, as you read through the Psalms of David, I did just a... I mean, David wrote a lot of Psalms. I mean, anybody that's been in their Bible at any amount of time, you see repeatedly over and over again a Psalm of David. And, you know, so often when we speak to God, we are looking for a benefit to ourselves, but this Psalm leads us to speaking to ourselves about how we need to speak to God. And David cries out for his soul to bless his maker. Now, the thing is, I, it was interesting to me as I studied this to see exactly what David thought about his God. Because here he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. What is truly within David that he thinks about God? And I want to give you just a short list of what David thought about God just that we find in the book of Psalms. As I went through psalm by psalm looking at what David called his God, this is who he is causing himself to bless. Number one, uh, one of the very first psalms of David, he starts off and he says, The Lord our God. Uh, he goes on, he calls him a shield. He says, My glory, the lifter up of mine head, my sustainer, my salvation, my righteousness, the gladness within my heart, my safety, my king, my God, my defender, my blesser, my favor, my rebuker, my chastener, my healer, my deliverer, the hearer of my supplication, the receiver of my prayer, my judge, the trier of my heart. My defense. My most high. The maintainer of my right and my cause. My refuge when I'm oppressed. My refuge in times of trouble. I'm just reading you what David said, the destroyer of mine enemies, the light within mine eyes, my preservation, the portion of my inheritance, the maintainer of my lot, the keeper of my right hand, my path of life, the fullness of my joy, the prover of my heart, my visitor in the night, the holder of my goings, the one that keeps me as the apple 
of his eye. The one that hides me in the shadow of his wing. I like this one. The disappointer of mine enemies. My satisfaction, my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God. The one in whom I trust. My buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my stay. The one who delights in me. My recompense, the lighter of my candle. The enlightenment in my darkness. The perfecter of my path. My teacher in times of war. My girdle of strength in battle. The subduer of my foes. My avenger, the cleanser of my secret faults. My shepherd, the preparer of my table, the anointer of my head, the filler of my cup, my comforter, the king of glory, the Lord of hosts, the gatherer of my soul, the one who takes me up when others forsake me. That is the God that David is saying, forget not my soul. How? Could we forget a God such as that? David is saying, when others murmur, I will bless. When others get mad at God for their circumstances, I will bless from my soul. When others are unhappy with the state that they are in, I will bless. Let others whisper their praise, but I will bless, David says, with all that is within me. Spurgeon writes, God's all cannot be praised with less than our all. Ecclesiastes says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. If we talk about serving God with our, with our whole heart and with our whole hand, how much more should we bless God with our all? For certainly if we do not bless Him with our all, we will not serve Him with our all. Have we no cause to bless Him who blesses us? You know, Wednesday night uh, at the end of prayer meeting, preacher mentioned the um, the prayer letter from Miss Elaine Rogers, who is our longtime missionary to Mexico. I, I don't even know how many years that they've been there, but she lost her husband on the mission field. And she writes in her prayer letter, "May we never forget the extravagance of the love that has been bestowed upon us." The supreme sacrifice of God's own precious Son. I, I've read a lot of books, and that's one of the most beautiful phrases about God that I've ever seen written. The extravagance of His love. And David writes here, forget not all His benefits. Forget Him not. Remember his sacrifice. Remember his sacrifice. Our memories can be a treacherous thing. I, I know that mine is a daily minefield of forgetting things. Uh, if it doesn't get written down, if it doesn't get entered into my calendar, uh, more likely than not, I will forget it. Uh, most folks know that they want me to announce something. You come and you tell me by putting me a piece of paper in my hand with it written down in very large writing and then reminding me multiple times. Uh, and, and David here, he is saying, forget not 
what God has done for us. And we say, well, I can never forget what God has done for us. How many times do we forget the benefits that he writes in Psalm 60? He loadeth us daily. Do you understand? We have salvation every day. It can never be taken away. Remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 10, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Philippians tells us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion of man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How can we forget a God that has so richly blessed us in sacrificing his own precious son? And yet we do. Remember his supremacy. It says here, uh, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Um, You know, he is sovereign. He is over all. We serve the one and true Jehovah God, and there is no other God but Him. And yet we forget that God is in control. In Philippians chapter 2, and in verse number 9, Paul here writes, it says, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. There is no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Jesus said of his own self. He is the supreme God. He is the only way. Forget not his supremacy. You say, well, how do we forget his supremacy? When we replace him with something else. There should be no other God. Before you. you should not bow to any graven image. You say, well, I, I'm not making anything in my house. To, but so often we make everything more important than God. It, it, it's a daily task of remembering just who Jesus is. And of remembering to keep him in his place in our life. That he is high and lifted up, as Isaiah said. I mean, he, he had to get to a low point in his life before he could see just how high God is. Forget not his supremacy. We serve Almighty God. Then he says there, who hath forgiven all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Uh, we are forgiven and our iniquities are forgotten forever. You know, it's interesting, over here uh, in Psalms chapter 103, he writes this, uh, forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all iniquities, who healeth all thy uh, diseases. And then you look in verse number 8 of the same chapter, it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins. Aren't you glad that God hadn't dealt with us after our sins? It says... Uh, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Then verse number 12. As far as the east is from the west, 
so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Our iniquities are forgiven. Uh, you know, in Psalm chapter 32 and verse number 5, David writes once again, I acknowledge my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Then he says once again, Selah. Think about that. That a holy, almighty God would look down upon men and forgive their iniquities. I, to put it in context, think about how hard it is for me or how hard it is for you to forgive someone who offends us in even just the smallest way. And the lengths at which we have to go to say, I forgive you. And we're just mortal men who hurt other people. We're talking about Almighty God who is holy, who cannot stand the sight of sin, and yet made His Son to be sin for us, and then forgave us for our offense against Him. That is a benefit worth remembering. He says, I have forgiven your iniquities. But then not only that, He goes even further... In verse number 12, as we read, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions. That word there uh, means to cross over, to put behind. They are no longer in his sight. Now, once again, to put it in context, we talk about how hard it is for us to forgive. It's nigh impossible for us to forget when someone has offended us. I think if I were to ask, if we were to be uh, honest with our hearts this morning, if, if I were to say, has anyone here been offended, we could all raise our hand. And then if I would say, has anyone here forgiven that person of that offense, we could probably most of us raise our hand. But if I were to say, has anyone forgotten that offense? I'd say it'd be very few, if anyone, that could raise their hand. God says, I've not only forgiven you, but I've forgotten all about it. Why? Because when he sees us, he sees his son. He doesn't even see the sin that was in our lives. What a benefit. You know, thankfully, preacher doesn't do like year-end evaluations on me, at least that I know of. I should take the opportunity to go through his, his files up there while he's gone. But, you know, when, when, I, when I worked a real job, I, uh, I would get year-end evaluations. And my, um, my sergeant, you know, he'd call us in, and uh, it was, does not meet expectations, meets expectations, or exceeds expectations. Now, the benefits of those check marks meant raises, and, or not raises, or maybe getting fired. 
But what would often happen would be the budget would not support the raise, so therefore no one exceeded their expectations. Whether you exceeded it in reality or not, there was no money to give the raise that comes with that, so everybody just met expectations. And your sergeant would tell you, I'm sorry. I don't know that he was. Maybe he was. But I, I want to do this, but I can't because we can only do this. When we look at what God has said he wants to do for us, he goes, I can do this. Because I got the ability to do this. And the expectation of salvation that God gives us in his word, the promise, is that I will forgive you and I will forget about that. And God says, I've promised you and I can do it because I'm God. So forget not the benefit of a God that forgets. So our iniquities are forgiven, and they are forgotten. And then we see here in the second part of this, it says, who healeth all thy diseases. Now, when I was studying this, the first thing that came to mind was I thought, well, that's interesting, because God does do miracles and God does heal. But the more I studied it, the more I realized it's not talking about diseases such as uh, sickness, necessarily, but it's talking about diseases that are the result of sin. And the more I got to think about that, the more I thought about our our, our RU program. Because when people have addictions and they, they have these problems in their life, it is a direct result of sin. And when God enters into that uh, predicament and saves them, he saves them from Sin. And the Bible says, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And he further tells us, What I've made free is free indeed. So he can heal us from our iniquities because of his salvation. He can heal us from our diseases because of his salvation. He can make things right. Why? Because he saves us from that sin. And he heals all our diseases. Now, we see people that overcome through Jesus Christ these addictions, these, these uh, uh, diseases that are in their life, such as uh, being uh, subject to alcohol and being subject to drugs. And he takes that out of their life. We have stories in our own church of people who were at one time drunks or at one time drug addicts, and God saved them and removed that from their life. And yet there's still scars from that sin. You know, with, with any disease, there will be scars, uh, whether it be cancer uh, and, and it has to be removed by surgery, there will be a scar. Whether it uh, be uh, the chicken pox, uh, most of us could probably relate to that. It leaves what? Scars. The disease is gone, but the scar remains. God says, hey, I'll save you. I'll forgive you. I'll forget about it. I will remove these things from your life. But there's still going to be scars. He restores us, though, back to him. Once things are made right, God can begin the healing process. And uh, in Psalm chapter 32, we, we read of David uh, when he was entrenched in his sin with Bathsheba. It says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old. 
through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. He tells himself to think about this. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. He further writes in Psalms 51, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. It's not until we get things right with God and he begins to heal us, that he can restore unto us the joy of of the Lord. As a lost person, we get saved, we get this healing, this disease, but as a saved person, as we reach back out to the world, and we reach back out to sin, and we get into that, and we get something in our life that should never be there, God says, if you'll come unto me, I'll forgive you. If you'll confess your sin, it says, I'm faithful and just forgive your sin, and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, and restore that work of restoration. He restores unto us the joy of His salvation. But we miss out on blessings. We miss out on the harvest that we could have reaped had we stayed with God. He rejuvenates us in 2 Chronicles chapter 12. He tells us, And the Lord appeared on Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. And he says, If I shut up heaven, there be no rain. If I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and we all know this here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wigway, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That word heal there to rejuvenate and bring back. Don't we want the rejuvenation, the restoration of God in our lives? Then why do we forget his benefits? Why do we forget what God wants to do in our lives? He says here, he says, uh, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. And he moves on here in verse number four. He says, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. He fortifies my life. He protects me, he says. The Lord executeth righteousness in verse number six and judgment for all they that are oppressed. You know, it's interesting that, uh, that, that word there, uh, that phrase that he uses, it says, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. When you look at that, what he means by that, it is the, the, the act or the, uh, the, the action of encircling and protecting. He says, I crowneth thee. He, he encircles us. You know, it made me think of the, uh, the account of Elisha there as he was, in the city, and, and the, uh, the army had come to take him, or to take him, and uh, his servant was there, and he said, Alas, master, for there are many. And, and Elisha prayed that God would remove the scales from his eyes. When he looked out, there was chariots of fire encircling the one that was encircling them. He said, There's more with us than there is with him. God encircles us. Uh, Satan said there, to, uh, as he came before God in the book of Job, and he says, you, You've placed a hedge about him. You know, we joke a lot about that hedge of protection, but God does encircle us with crown of righteousness and, and, and protects us as we go through this life. Think where your life would be without the benefit of God's protection. I, I, you know, we, we do not know what God has kept us from. I mean, I, I can look back 
in my life of times that, that, that I was out of the will of God. And when I was into something that I had no business being in. And yet God's protection was there. That I was encircled by his hand. And a lot of that goes back to my father, who would not stop praying for me. He kept bugging God about me. And praying that God would protect me from my own stupidity. And that's a pretty tall task. And yet God did it. Why? It's a benefit that he loads us with every day. He protects us. He provides for us. He says there, I will satisfy thy mouth. Now, I, I told my wife, as she was sitting across the room, I said, I am starving this morning. Now, that is no fault of anyone's but my own, because I forgot to eat breakfast. How that happens, I don't know. And then I talk about food every time I give an illustration, so that makes it even worse. So I had to move the microphone further up so that you don't hear what's going on below it. But I could have, amen. He knows what I'm talking about. I wish somebody get, if all I had to depend upon was somebody just to shove a bottle in my mouth, I'd be all right, I think. But no, I got to open the granola bar myself. But it's not for the lack of provision. It's my own, like I said, stupidity. I just forgot about it. I didn't put it in my calendar to eat breakfast. But he provides. David wrote, once again, I have been young and I'm now old. He said, I've lived a long time. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He says, I've gone... I mean, you think about David. He started out as the least of all the brothers out in the back country, wherever, tending his sheep. And they were his sheep, if you recall. His brothers even referenced them as your sheep. He fought the lion. He fought the bear. God sustained him. When he had to go up against Goliath, what did he remember? The lion and the bear. When he needed God to provide an even greater victory, he remembered the victories that God had already provided when God had already protected him. Then when he was running from Saul and, and, and having to live down in, in, in Ziklag in the land of the Philistines, God protected him. God provided. When all his possessions were taken, God said, you go and get them. I'll be with you. He goes and he gets those. Then he's made king. The only time we see him really get into trouble with God is when he tried to provide for himself something that he should not have with Bathsheba. And, and that was him trying to provide his own instead of trusting in God to provide for him. 
I've found that if I try to provide for myself, I mess it up. I will buy the wrong thing. I will do the wrong thing. I will say the wrong thing. But when I allow God to provide for me, he gets it right every time. Why? It's a benefit that God has for his kids. So how can we forget the benefits of God? That he daily loadeth on us. And then to go right along with that, he favors me above others. Look at verse number 13. It says, like as a father pitieth his child, his children. So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. That word pitieth there means especially compassionate to. And if you look where that word is used throughout the Bible, not just in the connotation or in the, 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 the word pitieth, but as it's used in, in the, the different ways that it's translated, that they, they translate throughout the Bible, it means God is having mercy and compassion and grace towards his people in spite of what they're doing and involved in. God's grace and mercy never leaves my life. Now, sometimes his mercy in my life is bringing my life to a screeching halt so that I can get back on track with what he has for my life. So don't be surprised if you step outside the will of God and all of a sudden you stumble and fall flat on your face. Because that's the mercy of God. Because we can only walk so far outside the will of God, I believe, before God says, you're coming home. His mercy is new every morning, he tells us in Lamentations. His everlasting kindness. In Isaiah chapter 54, I thought this was a, an interesting verse as I was studying. It says, in a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness. He writes to his people, will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. He says, I'm going to have mercy on you. And then he reminds them why. Because I'm your Redeemer. Another benefit that God has for us. In Psalms, the psalmist writes in chapter 117, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. Back there in Isaiah chapter 54, it says, But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Even when we were outside of God's will, he did not forget us, and he showed us great kindness. Psalms chapter 119, the psalmist writes again, Let I pray thee thy merciful kindness be for my comfort. The comfort that we have in the kindness of God is an everlasting kindness. In Ephesians, he writes, In the ages come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Out of everybody throughout this world, I am favored because he pitieth me as his child. If you're a Christian this morning, 
Out of everyone in this world, he favors you. Why? Because you are his child. He shows you an everlasting kindness. An everlasting kindness. Another benefit that we get, besides just kindness, is eternal kindred. We get a family. I have had more people tell me of this church that they feel like it's a family than anything else. And that is a blessing to have, both as being a member and as being an assistant pastor, to think that, that we, we get along well enough, and sometimes so unwell that people look at it and say, they are a family. What do you think about that? Uh, we sing the song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And when we join this church, what do we get? We get a church family. Not just for the time that we're here, but for eternity. Why? Because he has made us to be sons, to be heirs with Christ Jesus, but with one another. And so I get saved, and I'm brought into the family of God. I join a local church, and I am brought into the family of that church. And isn't it amazing how we take care of one another? How we look after one another? When, uh, you know, just simple things. When somebody has a baby, uh, that, that meals come along and, and help that family. When someone is sick and, and food is brought, it's always about food, isn't it? Uh, when, when, when somebody needs help uh, jumping their car off out, in the, and somebody's there willing to help. I mean, it's, it's, it's a family. We, we serve along one another. We, we, we argue one with another sometimes, but then we go on. Why? Because this family is bigger than just me or you. It's an eternal, everlasting kindred between us, between Jesus Christ, and with God as our Father. You think about that. Someone who was born without a family would understand at best the benefit of having an eternal family. That you can come in and you're brought into a family that never goes away. The faces might change from time to time. Some might go on home before we do. But God has a family here for us to be a part of. Do we forget the benefits of God? Look with me there in Psalms chapter 60, uh, 68, just one more time. I want to read this and then we'll be done. Psalm 68 and in verse number 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. And then Psalms 103, he says, forget not all his benefits. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody here this morning. You hadn't even begun to get the benefits of God. You say, what is this that you're talking about? Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He wants to save you, forgive you of your sins, give you a home in heaven, and give you all these things that we've been talking about from His Word. Maybe there's a Christian here this morning who said, you know what, the world can benefit me more than God can. And I'm here today to say, no, it can't. I've been there. 
I've done that. There are no physical scars that you can see. But I certainly have scars on the inside, spiritual scars, from the decisions that were made by a Christian who was saved, who grew up in a preacher's home, who knew what was right. What does the Bible say? To him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And yet walked away from the benefits of God. And thanks God for cutting my legs out from underneath of me and bringing me back to him. So I might once again enjoy the benefits of God. Don't think, don't think you're getting away with something because it seems like you're getting away with something. And then maybe there's a Christian this morning who, hey, you're enjoying the benefits of God. What did David start off Psalms 103 with? He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And he goes on, he says, forget it not. Don't forget to bless. Don't forget to thank. Don't forget to tell God thank you for the benefits. So possibly three different types of folks here this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to have a time of invitation where the altar will be open. If you're not saved this morning, come forward. We'd love to have somebody come and help you to understand about Jesus Christ, your Savior. Maybe you're a Christian who's far from God. You're like that prodigal son. You're in the far country. The Father is waiting to receive you back and restore the joy of your salvation. The altar will be open for that. Maybe you are a Christian who just wants to praise God and thank Him for the benefits that He daily loadeth on your wagon. Remember Brother Dewey preaching about those wagons of grace that Joseph sent from Egypt to pick up his father. He's loading our wagon down with grace and the benefits of God every day. Let's pray, and then we'll have an invitation time. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would take this, these few moments now. I pray that you would work in the hearts of your people. Dear God, work in the hearts of the sinner, dear God, that might not know you. Convict them, dear God, bring them to you, we pray. Be with that Christian, dear God, that has stepped out and walked away from you, Father. Bring them back to you, dear God, we pray, even today. And Lord, we just thank you for those that are faithful to your word, faithful to your cause, faithful to to follow you, dear God. But uh, may we not forget to bless you for your benefits towards us. Bless this time, protect this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand if you would, Brother Tom. What? 407. Page number 407. We'll sing an invitation hymn. The altars are open.